Welcome to Honest Retail, the weekly podcast that dishes out the truth about the latest news, trends, and blunders from the CPG, consumer, and retail industries. Now, here are your hosts, Cameron McCarthy, Taylor Foxman, and Carlton Fowler. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of Honest Retail. Um, excited to be continuing in the new year here. We had a little bit of a shorter episode uh, last week, so this will kind of be like a full format episode. We've got a couple of great guests uh, coming up, which we're excited about, too. Uh, CJ, how are you doing this week? I'm doing good. I'm tired. I'm, like I told you guys before, I've been on with the lawyer since like 6 a.m., but it's mostly good things. Usually 6 a.m. lawyers' calls are bad things. These are good things. Nice. Uh, and Taylor, how about you? I'm good, too. I'm definitely not on the phone with lawyers, but I have been up crack of dawn. I've been doing this morning thing, guys. It's working. I just need to add in more sleep on the back end. So I need to I need to go <laughs> to bed earlier to make this like a whole full circle wellness year for me. But I am getting up at the crack of dawn with like homeless people and, and, and various people that are cleaning the streets. And it is probably unsafe for me, but I feel like I am a million bucks. You can apply for that new rat catcher job um, in NYC. If you're up that early, you can just be out there snagging them. Are you, uh, are you running every morning? Is that what you're doing? Yeah. Yeah. I'm doing like, you know, five or six miles in the mornings. It's cool. I mean, in Florida, um, you could, I'll send you guys, but like, you know, it's beautiful. Like on the water, you have, you know, the sunrise here, it's just crazy people and cleaners in the morning, but it just, I, I really, it changes my day. I feel like I just, you know, it's like 10 hours a day or eight, however many hours a day. I just don't have a moment to think or to breathe or not to talk. So it's really nice to just have, you know, 40 minutes to an hour to myself in the mornings. So it's worth it getting up. I know Cam, you're an early riser too. Yeah. I I usually like wake up, yeah, I'm like four, four thirty, four forty-five. What? What? I gotta be up early. I gotta help with the little one. Uh so I'm, I'm Do you up. wanna be like my accountability partner or something? Isn't that what all <laughs> sure. people use? Isn't that a thing? Or is that just for like recovering alcoholics? Text you to wake up. <laughs> I, I think it works for a lot of things. <laughs> <It's> also- <laughs> <laughs> what time do you go to bed, Cam? Like like uh, for a while there I was like a four thirty riser. And then it kind of slowly yeah. turned into like a six. And now, you know, I, you know, I'm happy when I'm up by six. What, what what time do you go to bed? Like 10. All right. That's that's not enough sleep, my guy. That's not enough sleep. <laughs> <laughs> I know. The six and a half is, is tough sometimes. But like, uh, it's just like, I, I know, especially with the next little guy coming in like two or three weeks, like it's probably like, I just got to get used to just waking up early. So. Oh, there, uh, so it, it's like two or three weeks. That's the, that's the timeline. Dude. Yeah. Soon. It's the 20th. Wow. It's the 26th. Yeah. So hopefully it's not anytime before then. Um, because like my idiot self booked like meetings on the 24th. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> really pushing this all up until the uh to the ninth hour. But uh yeah, Taylor, I'll uh, I'll I'll keep you accountable here. I'm uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm kind of doing the same routine. I'm trying to open up my like com app more frequently and like do like I little- use it every day. I do it every day. I do Jay Shetty every morning, seven minutes. 
Yeah. So it's like, uh, that seems like, uh, it's a, it's good for me. I usually only did it when I was like going into like a big meeting or like, I don't love taking off on an airplane. And I was like, all right, well, let me just like do it like a little bit every day. And it was, it's been pretty helpful. So hopefully all things we can keep up and keep doing in March and April. So we'll see, hopefully they're not too unattainable. Yours may be a little bit because you have like a creature coming. I just may get lazy, <laughs> but let's just hold ourselves accountable and be like, Taylor, I'm up because I have fucking children. Like, get up. Like, yeah. Okay, good point. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, this morning I woke up, I got to the gym and my wife texted me like the uh, the dog just threw up in the bed. So my workout was cut really short, but. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> we had that yesterday. We had that literally yesterday. <laughs> nice but uh um, yeah, let's, I guess we can dive into, uh, to brands. Um, there's no great segue from the dark dog puking in the bed, but for me, um, it's a brand that I heard about last year a little bit. I haven't tried it yet, but the packaging's super cool. It's Hyo, uh, H-I-Y-O, um, mm-hmm. sparkling social tonic. Uh, I think we've talked about it once briefly, like maybe early last year, but, um, they just joined the platform. So it kind of like jogged my memory about them. So I'm going to, I'm going to try to order some and, and check it out. The, the watermelon lime uh, is kind of speaking to me. So excited to try it out and, and see. I'll drink it. anything watermelon, like anything. Yeah. Same, same. Yeah. I told you that that was the best drink I had at BevNet was that watermelon beverage. I can't remember. I talked about it on this podcast, but I can't remember the name of it. It was so good. And I used to love watermelon water. And now it seems like since acquisition, it's like nowhere kind of compared to what it was. Yeah. Yeah, watermelon, anything flavored, anything Jolly Rancher. So good. That's the that's the good. Um, I've got one that's interestingly on topic with your new creature, as as Taylor called it, coming out. (laughs) Um, I've been kind of obsessed with Serenity Kids. Have you guys seen this baby food? Um, Mm -hmm. It's uh, like it is, you know, ethically sourced uh, meat and veggies, you know, pasture raised, like all, all the things that like that are definable on the package as puffery, but don't necessarily mean anything, but you know, overall indicate like, and they are just significantly more expensive than most other baby foods on the shelf. And like, that's intentionally their strategy and it's working very well. Um, You know, I I like, I like the, I like the packaging. Um, You know, when you look at like, you know, yeah, there was the formula shortage, but when you look at like even without that formula shortage, which what happened with Bobby, um, and you know some of these choices that that like you know as millennial cohort are having kids much later in life, and especially the higher the higher like socioeconomic demographic does, like I think that you might see like a, you know the like the top end of baby food just get blown off. From from a pricing perspective, which is always fascinating, um, and and knowing that you're going to be a really high margin from from the word go, so that's that's really interesting. I haven't tried it yet. I am willing to try it. Um, uh, I'll probably buy some and see what that's going on. Maybe I'll buy some for James's kid. Yeah, I bought uh I bought the bison one for Cole like one time, and his face was not uh, not pleased. And- <laughs> like a little bit more like acceptable one like root vegetable but yeah he loves those pouches and stuff another cool one is yummy y-u-m-i which is mostly dtc but they just launched a marketplace which which i, which I thought was kind of cool so 
like mm-hmm. like one of these direct to consumer brands that now just has other brands on their marketplace and is taking advantage of all that um, e-com channel um, traffic that they're getting. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm deep in the uh, the baby food. Um, wow, so- yeah. So they're in like those little um, glass pots that like uh, the pot de cremes come in. Yeah. Mm. But they make they make a veggie tot that I'll just I'll throw back a few of those too. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, Taylor, how about you? So I got one like Cam and CJ approved brand, and then I got one old school. So uh, approved by you guys. I don't know the founders of this company, which can, is a bit odd. I feel like I've met most the people who have things in cans at this point. Um, so have you tried this uh, zero sugar swoon? I feel like it's been at a lot of conferences. I like um, swoon. I, yeah, I like the half and half. I'm a Wawa yeah. girl, so I have high standards with my half and half. Yeah. They make the best. So anyway, I don't know them. Um, I just actually just like go into Westside Market and buy it. So I, I haven't tried the other flavors um, I do like the the half and half flavor. I'm excited to try the rest of the flavors. So that's a Cam and CJ approved one. And then I got to give it to, um, again, going back to Westside Market because they allow me not only to buy a four pack, but buy individual cans of Stewart's Fountain Classics. And they have orange and cream. And if you have not enjoyed a Stewart's root beer, orange and cream or cream soda varietal in the past year, I'm telling you that things are dark, but it will make your day brighter. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, for me, it's the black cherry. I 100. Oh, I like the black cherry. Are, are we allowed to swear on this podcast, Cam? Because I definitely <laughs> fuck yeah. with the black cherry. Like, it's so good. Like, uh, Stewart's also has like lines, like has actual physical grocery, like, or like, like C store locations that are attached to gas stations too, right? It's that same, it's the same thing. Do they? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I they mean, do. Like, it's yeah, like, right? and then like inside of that it's all their branded stuff like ice cream and stuff too like i think i went to one for the first time like last year so i'm sure i've had one of their sodas before but and now when i see it in the wild i'll uh, i'll make sure to to make a purchase for sure yeah i do I mean, i've had spoon before i do like it it's hard for me sometimes to get past the zero sugar but it's like stevia or monk fruit because i just i taste it like on the aftertaste a lot but um swoon i do like and the branding's pretty slick for sure i um how much sugar is in a stewart's i want one right now just like <laughs> just like drink drink like a six pack of stewart's and then just cry. i'm having an art i'm having an orange soda as we speak oh <laughs> yes okay well in my head, I was like, nice breakfast soda. Way to go. But I guess it's lunchtime for you. Wait, guys, they have a key lime. What? what? And a grape a key lime. Cherries and cream. Oh, wow. Okay, let me tell you how much sugar is in the black cherry one. And then we can move on. But I do want to go there. Oh, it's Keurig Dr. Pepper. What a shocker. All right. There is sugars. <laughs> 44 grams of sugar. <laughs> I was gonna get in the non dare in the non diet one, yeah. Oi, oi, oi. Yeah. If I'm reaching for a Stewart's, I'm definitely not reaching for a diet Stewart's. That's just not. That's just not gonna happen. Yeah. No, you're not. Yeah. Go go for the whole thing and just enjoy like one versus like three, and call it a day. Um, Have you guys ever done the thing where you actually go like look at what like 42 grams of sugar looks like? Um, Hell no. It's terrifying. I was like, what did I, there was a product 
at BevNet uh, in New York last year, the, the I, I never really heard of the brand, and then I was really surprised about how big they were. But the uh, the CEO over at Calypso was talking a little bit, and yeah. they I was surprised about how big they were. But then I was like, it, it always it just when I saw it, I was like, oh, this is like Sobe. Like I remember Sobe back in the nineties. Yeah. I like it. And then I saw that I went to go to like the booth to like check out the sugar, and I was like, whoa, this is like this is like pretty intense, like the amount of sugar that was in it, but they had just launched like a, like a low sugar um, version. So I think that that was getting pretty popular, but yeah, that was, uh, I was really surprised by, by how big that brand was. I don't know why I brought that into this conversation, but I didn't know if anybody else kind of knew their size. Yeah. yeah it, it, it's, they've got really good distribution. There's some like random, like iced tea and lemonades, like, like one of them, one, you know, one of the rising star things called like Milo's, uh, at BevNet this year, and you're like, whoa! It's like it's like very quietly, like just an absolutely massive business, largely um, contained to the south. Like they're like, like social media has like completely warped how big everybody thinks other brands are. Like you'd think that yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know. is like yeah. massive, and then and like it's not that, that it's not that they're not growing very good and they're doing great, but they're not massive. Yeah, uh, host of like. LinkedIn like CPG thought leaders where like you get them on the phone you're like this is gonna be an awesome lead this is gonna be an awesome like a big brand for us and then you start like pulling layers and you're like oh like this is just a person who's really good at leveraging like social and like building that audience and it's uh and then you then you have like those conversations with like um some like uh, we just uh we just signed up a brand called cheers which is like an after like after you like uh before you go to sleep if you're drinking you just like take like this pill they only have been on amazon for like the last three years and now they're starting to go into walmart i think they do like 50 million on amazon alone and they're just like executing like crazy and now they're starting to post a little bit more on social brooks and shelby like a really awesome couple but like then you have those meetings like that where you're like, oh shit, like these are just two people like just executing really quietly, like doubling down on one channel. And like you love those conversations. But yeah, Calypso kind of seemed like that to me, where I was just like, oh, like this this has a pretty widespread distribution and is is doing well. But another brand. Do you know who? Cheers. Do you know who does a really good? Someone who wrote actually something about this actually CJ like yesterday. We had him on. I think it was like Will. His company just got partially acquired. The the IQ bar guy. Yeah, yeah. It, it was by um the the investment was from Lotus or yeah, Lotus Bakery, CDP, right? which also does good crisp. Yeah. Yeah. So he did. He he write. He has a a very strong LinkedIn like strategy. Like he posts often, and he gets like honestly per post like hundred, six hundred, five hundred. It's crazy, right? But um, he did a post about this to your point around like reality versus like what things look like. And he's just like, you know, in theory, there's a lot of kind of smoke and mirrors out there, but like who's actually doing the work and who's actually moving versus like what's being, you know, kind of presented on social media. And there's a huge discrepancy there. Um, I'll find it for you guys, but it was just, um, yeah, it was just an interesting post he did a few days ago. Yeah. Our friend Mark over at Iwan, who we've had on the show, like had a pretty transparent post today where he was just like, listen, I'm, I'm like, you know, because we're having to reduce costs and like I'm taking over sales, like, you know, and it's, it's like, you sometimes don't see that level of transparency in some of the conversations being had. And so, yeah, you know, it's, it's refreshing to see that. Cause I think a lot of people just assume like the same 10 or 15 brands they're hearing from, or even like midday squares came out with like a, 
social media posts uh, like last yesterday or last week where it was I saw that I saw that yeah year and like they're like the person was like we have enough money in the bank for three more months or you know whatever and it was just like really like articulating a clear story and you would just be like well you know it's it's all it's all uphill there right uh, and talking about like almost like they're decreasing retail sales business in that post too so I thought like that level of transparency is super interesting um, you know as long as you're kind of crafting that overall message about where you're going. He did. Yeah. It was like, I won't read the whole thing, but it was like, brands you think are doing 10 million are doing, um, in sales are doing 500 K brands. You think are doing 50 million in sales are probably doing 150 million brands. You think are break even or hemorrhaging cash. One of the wild things about social media is that it's love that it's a level playing field for everyone representing a brand. For the most part, no one knows what's going on behind the scenes. And then it just goes into a whole thing. So it was interesting. Yeah, quiet brands that are quiet from the beginning, that's great. But if you were if you were loud and then you were quiet, that's like the that's usually <laughs> that's a pretty good sign. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's like the investor adage of like if you don't get any updates, like that's like the worst update. Like it's, <laughs> it's usually like um you want to like be on top of it if you have um been that way. But like we see even with we talk, especially after we raise, like people think we're so much bigger than we are. It's like, no, it's like we're we're still in the in the grind here. So um, all right, well, let's dive into um, our first kind of conversation today. So we are in the middle of dry January. I was intrigued to see a post by Buy and Pair that basically said that dry January is down significantly um, among millennials, especially. Um, it's up a little bit between baby boomers. It's up a little bit, um, obviously, for Gen Z. That's kind of who's carrying the torch. But millennials, who I think kind of created that term and, and have built out that that non-alc space and have been big believers it's actually down we're seeing more of a move to what they call like damp january where it's like hey listen like maybe just saying no alcohol for a month is not necessarily setting me up for success for the rest of the 11 months of the year uh, and just being more mindful and cutting back is the best approach um so taylor obviously you're you're in this space every single day what, what were your thoughts yeah. uh, i was I was surprised by this, but I, I guess uh, like, you know, there's a lot of theories around this like damp, right? Like more of a damp mindful lifestyle. So I, while I'm fully still drinking the Kool-Aid on the non-alc stuff, um, integrating myself more into it day by day, you know, more roles within these companies. Um, I'm not of the mind frame to do any type of like month long thing. I, I didn't do it last year. I had no interest in it this year. Um, that doesn't mean that it's not for other people, but I'm not like an all or nothing person. I think you guys have known that I've integrated this whole kind of mind frame into my day to day. So I think obviously the sales are there to say like, look, people are still very much interested in the category. The category is moving on, you know, an upward trajectory. But I guess the idea of like a dry January or all or nothing, I don't find it personally appealing. Um, so like, just from like an anecdotal perspective, I didn't do it. I won't do it. And I'm very much interested in this category. Uh, so I guess I'm not alone. I think again, people are looking, especially the younger demo are looking for more options outside of just alcohol. So I think that obviously continues to resonate and ring true, but the concept of like dry January, I think to me, I just, it just feels like if anything, like why do that? Just like figure out ways to incorporate you know, whether it's non-alcoholic stuff or just more, you know, kind of mindful drinking habits in your day-to-day, -day, which seems a bit more realistic. Um, yeah, I mean, to me, I read this as like, this is a good indicator for non-alc brands and for non-alc movement. I think it's like, why do we need to like specify a certain period of the year where this is acceptable versus like, yeah, people are just like 
having more options and incorporating their life, their life. And there doesn't need to be this like ceremony at the beginning of the year. Um, so I thought that that that's the kind of way that I read it, not as like this, oh no, like is the tide turning because there's still a yeah. lot of thing here. I think it was more like it's becoming more socially acceptable year round uh, because like the options are out there and, and the options are so good now. Um, CJ, what was your take? I mean, well, first, some of the funniest posts I've seen are people posting that they're doing dry January, but they're not stopping drugs. So like no alcohol, other drugs are still, you know, inbounds. So that's, that, that's amused me. Um, I mean, other than that, like this is clickbait, like, you know, like, of course we want, you know, people want a headline of like dry January is, is drastically shrinking. Like for one, that was probably like every other millennials new year's resolution last year after they came off, the wettest year ever, which was the COVID where like everybody was drinking way too much at home. Um, and so like, I mean, all like, like everything, things spike up, then return to trend, spike up, then return to trend. And if they're going to be a long-term trend, like you don't get, you know, things don't go below that trend for a while as it builds. So the fact that, uh, you know, other, you know, other age cohorts are up in intent um, means this trend is fine. Like I, I, I actually think that 2023 is going to be like the year of we get to see just how well this works in in like large chain like conventional grocery like it's been it's been existed in natural specialty for quite some time plenty of people kind of got way too behind the category a little too early especially as a lot of them proved themselves out through d to c that then didn't really scale quite as much as people expected to after they got that signal from the pandemic like but now like Walmart has a non-alk buyer and Target's talking about having one. And I'm sure Kroger's going to talk about having one. So like, we'll see here in 2023 really quickly, like just how much staying power this trend has. Yeah. I think it's hard to be a pessimist in this space. Like it's all the indicators of that it's, it's um, going in the right direction. And um, yeah, I think uh, there's definitely a level of like clickbaitiness to this. Um, but I just thought it was interesting more of like the subsection of like hippie millennials that were pulling back. But I think it's just because they're incorporating it more into their daily life um, versus like wanting to be told like, hey, this is the time. And then what sober October uh, that like you really like turn it on because what good is that? Like it, it's much I, mean, I remember when I did dry January a couple of years ago, like it was it was harder to just like maintain it for like a month versus just like cut back on drinking overall and just like start to incorporate some non-alcohol options. So um Awesome. Um, staying on the alcohol conversation, um, T- I don't know if anyone saw, but Tito's created a really awesome campaign. So good. Yeah. So good. They looped in Martha Stewart, who I feel like is like Martha and Snoop are like everyone's like go to, like, hey, if we need we need a heavy hitter. Like they just Martha Stewart just did the one for liquid debt to the candles. So uh, Tito's basically did like a DIY January where here's all like the different kind of funny applications you can use Tito's for, um, whether it's like cleaning around your house or like she was just like, <laughs> and, like licking the air. Um, but like there's like definitely like a vibe about her that just like really fit with like the playfulness of the campaign. So I thought this was a really smart approach, um, like especially for brands where sales are a little bit down this month for alcohol brands. So uh, CJ did it, did the, uh, the video speak to you and what were your thoughts on kind of like oh it's great like like i think people i think people really forget just how big tito's is they have five five like just they have all the different sizes 
in unflavored vodka, and that's it. Like in the same way that everyone went nuts when they when they you know did their RTD um, launch, where like yeah, we're just launching aluminum cans, and you could you could make a Tito's and soda if you want. Um, like they've earned the right to be counterculture because they are so focused on their single product and its value proposition. And like as you know, they do so little above the line marketing that they no. you know they've figured out a really really solid way to when they you know if they if you hear their voice it's going to be very on brand and it's going to be funny and it's going to be tongue-in-cheek um and it just makes their dollars go so much further like it's great i think the, the funny thing with tito's is like it's it's an acceptable price point but like there's also like like i mean like this is a weird reference point but like every single time like i watch the housewives with my with my wife like and she's like and like the they're always saying like tito with lime or tito with orange and it's like it's just be, it's like also like kind of like acceptable as like a high-end drink as well and they do a really good job like towing the line um between like being approachable and acceptable for everybody but also being like hey if you want a high-end vodka you can reach for a tito's as well i just feel like a lot of brands can't do that approach um and like this is another ad campaign where like everyone's gonna find this fun and acceptable um and i just thought it was kind of kudos for them um, like so- i'm sure i'm sure there'll be plenty of people who are triggered by this um <laughs> I, 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 that's kind of like, I think Tito's whole point is they're like, hey, we're just kind of, you know, <laughs> we're good old boy. We're, we're here for you if you need us. But yeah, we'll, yeah, yeah. <laughs> here's some fun we can have with it. Um, Taylor, how about you? Uh, I just like slow clapped when I saw that. I was just like, this is just great. I mean, it's funny. It's tongue in cheek. It's classy. It's the right tone. I just loved everything about it. And the CJ's point, like, I think it's those moments when you see like Martha freaking Stewart, like, you know, taking the Tito's bottle and like spraying her flowers. You're like this brand, man, like if, and when they sell, like, I can't even imagine. They're just, they've just continued to do things right in so many regards. And uh, I just, I absolutely loved it. And um, especially just like to the point around, you know, like strategic advertising. All right. Transitioning out of ALK, non-ALK. Um, Let's go into Pop-Up Grocer. Um, uh, the team over Pop-Up Grocer, I feel like it's been doing a really great job um, over the last what, four or five years, it feels like. I think they kind of came up as we've been coming up. And um, to me, it's always like a physical representation of kind of like what Andrea is doing over at Snack Shop, but you know, giving these brands an opportunity to get into retail um, you know, early through a pop-up shop in multiple um, you know, different cities. And uh, this company was able to survive the pandemic. I know they kind of transitioned to like doing uh, ship at home boxes, but now they're kind of coming up with a physical um, retail location and, and kind of having a, like a, flag set, a flagship store um, that's opening. So I, yeah, I was kind of funny, like things are kind of always full circle. You start up as a pop-up and to kind of shake up the system and then you, you then end up to, you know, a full-time retail location. But I do think smaller format stores that are focused on product discovery and, um, you know, really putting that customer first and allowing them to discover new items and, and take advantage of that, that process is kind of where I believe retail is going. So I think this is a really strong fit, but, um, Taylor, what's, what's your thoughts? Do you, have you been to a pop grocer? What were your kind of thoughts on this transition and, um, you know, what's your, what's your thoughts on this kind of store format? 
Um, I haven't been, I mean, it's like, you know, it's on my to-do list. I want, I met with the team from Foxtrot. I really wanted to see what like a Foxtrot location looks like too. I know they're kind of comparable. Um, I mean, it makes sense entirely. I think uh, it's, you know, obviously from an, you know, online perspective, it makes sense, but I think, you know, having that experience of, you know, emerging and immersing yourself in something more traditional in terms of like brick and mortar to me is a, is a no brainer, um, especially now that, you know, I wouldn't say things are, in the clear with COVID, but like people are obviously going in stores and retail. So I think it's really interesting. Um, I will make it a point to check it out and report back. I haven't been yet, but I'm looking forward to, yeah, to seeing it. I live close to the location. So I will report back on another pod. Yeah, the other places that are doing well are like beta um, and neighborhood goods. Again, like stores that are really focused on like highlighting direct consumer brands, like highlighting new and emerging brands and really just like product discovery. So I know there's a neighborhood goods also in the city. I want to check that out. But um, so- I like that. I've been there. Sorry, I've been there. I really like that. Sorry, I just want to comment. Yeah, that's, that's what we're here for. Uh, to, uh, CJ, how about you? What's your thoughts on like the pop-up shop movement? And do you find it interesting that like eventually it just led them to a, you know, a full-time location? I mean, I, I'll start by saying like your analogy to what Andrea is doing with Snackshot is totally right. And I love Snackshot and I love pop-up grocer, but I also think it can turn very echo chambery. Um, for example... Uh, I've been informed recently that Foxtrot is raising at a 70% down round. Um, and I, I, I think it's really, really easy for like us specifically and a lot of people who like are in CPG Twitter and stuff to like just fall in love with stuff like pop-up grocery. Like them eventually going like full-time grocery and like, you know, it's, it's kind of like, Hey, we need to remember that like a lot of stuff in physical retail has been tried and like proven that it has certain ceilings. Like, you know, like if, if we want to talk about like an overall like push for better for you and a lot of the stuff that we focus on, like like you know, a, a pop-up grocer inside Kroger would be a much bigger deal than a pop-up grocer in like the trendiest street in New York. Like yeah. be, because of what it would say about trends and the amount of things that it would introduce like your average shopper to. So like I, you know, I think pop-up grocery is great. I imagine that probably they'll find a very similar ceiling to the amount of locations they can do that, like an Erewhon has. Um, yeah. You can you can be fanatically profitable and fairly small, or you can run a you know four or five percent margin business and be the size of Kroger. It doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of middle ground unless you're Trader Joe's and you do it all private label. Um, yeah, I think that was like, that's interesting. Like Erwan, obviously, like you've got the what eight to 10 locations and like you're making insane margins and you can do fun stuff, like create your own products inside and it's just printing cash for you. But like, that's not necessarily like a venture scale business. Right. And so I think you have to make that decision and you have to paint that picture on like, how is that venture scale? Because like, how are you going to have money in the door day one versus like, how is this like, again, just a wildly profitable, like lifestyle business that you can slowly grow into, you know, multiple locations. And I'm sure there's a play there too. Like the first party data, like you can capture in stores, probably super interesting. Um, but yeah, I, I do think like we, we, like, especially all of us, like in like the, the cool kids club of CPG, like internally, like we know, like we're, we get really excited about, about new brands, but you also have to separate yourself and be like, there's no way like Jan in Iowa is, is, is resonating with this, right? Yeah. Talk about like crossing the chasm. Like there's very, 
like few of those brands in Snackshot, like although they're spectacular and we love getting those like delivered to us, there's probably a low percentage that are going to be able to cross that over and really gain like that mainstream, um, you know, kind of tendencies. Like yeah, there's, there's the Cool Clips Club and then there's the I do $500 million in a year in Rev Club. And like, and I can argue the latter is the actual. Cool yeah, club. seriously. Right. <laughs> right. I was literally just going to say, I feel like sometimes yeah. we talk in our own. I like think about that sometimes. I'm like, are we just all talking to ourselves sometimes? And yeah. I think we are. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, that's what that's why we need you with a bag of Golden Grams to keep us honest, because Golden Grams is part of the real cool kids club. I serve a very important role, guys. <laughs> in the picture, I, I take us out of 2023 and bring us back to 1993. Yeah. Usually, that's where I fit in. <laughs> yeah. I, perspective. I, I, perspective. <laughs> and I think too. I mean, like, but I think. The interesting thing is like a lot of the emerging brands we're talking to are going into conventional much earlier, which it's cool to see that conventional channels are like open to it. But yeah, I do think like we can have a little bit of like uh, confirmation bias among us that we're just kind of passing through and it, it can be tough to to get off of that and see like who's actually going to move past that into the masses, um, especially when we're just kind of in that echo chamber, like you said, of, of LinkedIn and especially like Twitter, where we just like finding cool new shit and, and being the first ones, uh, the early adopters. All right, moving to the uh, next topic. Um, I have yet to try it, but I see it everywhere. Um, and I know that it's been like we sold um, everywhere for like 500%, but Prime um, Hydration uh, launched their second product set, which is Prime Energy. I think it sold out in the first day. Uh, this is Jake Paul's um, um, brands. Uh, again, like we, we talk about like uh, Feastables and like all these online creators creating their own brands. It does seem like Prime is kind of primed to uh, kind of go beyond that. Um, and looks like they're, they're really solid with their distribution and kind of their plan. Uh, but to sell out a you know a new a new not even a new SKU but a new line in a day online and to have the kind of like resale value that it's having on third party channels like Amazon and eBay is pretty crazy to see. Um, CJ Taylor, you're you're much more intertwined than like the energy scene than me. So CJ, let's start with you. Um, you know, what's your thought on Prime? Like pr uh, Prime might be turning into one of those things, kind of like a Tito's. Yeah, it's, like, it's yeah, yeah. the it's the exception that proves every rule. Um, like for the most part, it is pretty hard to move from like enhanced water or even sports beverage into energy, right? Like whether or not there's some just like very base interaction where aluminum equals energy, plastic, equal, I, I mean, I've heard a lot of people's theories, but like Gator Energy is not doing well. Buy Boost, not doing well. Like I, I would, I would have a heart attack if if Lemon Perfect tried to move into energy, and Prime is doing it and selling out. So like I, I think that tells you probably that that's something more special about Prime than it is about there being like a massive crossover there between like like Prime is already primed to you know to go after a younger demographic, and that's who drinks energy drinks for the most part. But like you don't see you don't see Celsius or C four trying to move into like, hey, this is our caffeine-free edition. Um, you see a lot of people trying cross the chasm the other way and it like never works except for Prime. Yeah, and I do want to correct myself. I think I said Jake Paul. I meant Logan Paul. Uh, it's very difficult to keep track. <laughs> which, is, which, is the one, which is the one that hits people in the face? Uh, uh, <laughs> well, we both don't know. We're like, wait. 
that was the thing that I was intrigued by. Like, obviously, like I'm not the audience, and I've I've never watched any of his content before. But I do know, like, he does tend to be like a little like controversial, and so it's like interesting to see like how much money and probably distributions pouring into a figure that could be polarizing at scale. Um, but it just doesn't really matter right now. I mean, they're just like executing, and I mean, they're they're just kind of crushing it. Um, Taylor, how about you? Yeah, I was going to say, I think like when we talk about like people that are out there, you know, with maybe potentially larger social media images than reality, I think this is an example of these people are just crushing it. <laughs> and so I, I think they've just created a, a winning formula. And I'll just piggyback off what CJ said that I think is going to continue to work um, for them. And I, I don't, ha I've never tried the product, but um, I am, as you all know, big fans of um, energy drinks. So look, I think it's worth a shot. And, you know, I've seen enough reviews of, of their original products, like I guess of the sports drinks or whatever, that people really like it. It's not even just like hype. I think people really like the flavors. They like the different SKUs. So I'm, I'm willing to try it out. Um, so I think this is an example of you know, there is a lot of hype and whatever, but I think it's, it's well-deserved and I'm excited to, to try. Maybe I'll try the, maybe I'll try the energy drink first. Um, yeah, maybe I'll try it and I'll report back. I have I a lot of reporting back this week. <laughs> yeah. I am. Um, I'm going to spend a little extra time on this because this is like maybe one of the trends that I think a lot of people thought were going to be flash in the pan and might be significantly more definitive going forward like i remember we had kiva on um mm -hmm. and like he he said something that stuck with me ever since he was on he's like hey when logan paul and Cy go into a walmart and promote prime maybe 10 percent of the people in there know who they are but then 20 million people will watch the video and when, you know, Gal Gadot goes into a Target to promote Goodles, everyone knows who she is and no one watches the video. Um, and I think that is like such a fundamental differentiation and is like, like, you know, why some of these products are getting some of the valuations that they are because not only do they have that leg up where they're like, like their marginal cost of content production is zero it's zero um and that's not anything that a brand's ever had at that scale before it's just never existed but like I, I think the other thing that's really important is like all these uh, all the ones that are really working like the partnerships are very strong like congo brands knows what it's doing congo brands does like alani new and it does um and it does it does prime like feastables feastables partnered with with like the ex-founding team from rx bar um, like these are people who really deeply understand CPG and then they're adding this completely unfair advantage. Um, so I, I, I'm just curious what you two, like, is this like, how many years does this type of, of numbers on the board have to keep happening before, before people start to admit that this is definitely the way, like at least one of the ways that brands are going to get built forever from here on out. I mean, I think it's happening right now. I think it, yeah. there's enough proof points right out of the gate, right? Yeah. Like, a brand that launched last year sorry launched two separate lines and is selling out and then there, there's a this like crazy scalping resale market where it just becomes like a it's not even about buying the product or like the liquid inside the bottle it's just the status of like hey like i support this maker so much that i went through this leaps and bounds to buy the product and if you've got that kind of early adoption not just like 
you know, I kind of like this product and I told a few of my people about it. Like it's just the network effect of that and how sticky that is. It's, it's big. And those, those are, those are young consumers that are going to continue to grow and their, their purchasing power is going to continue to increase over the next few years. So I think it's, I think it's going to stick. I, yeah. I, I back to you would be like, are you like, how are you indexing like investments? Like over the well, how, how do you value it? Like, like so when like, like, and, and this is where yeah, I, I start to get, I get really confused because okay, let's say like I, I am not a video game streamer, but I was recently educated about this person named Ninja. All right. Apparently he's just like incredibly important in the video streaming streaming world. Um I like how does one value pre-revenue ninjas? Um you know, let's say you know, I spoke recently with a brand that 100 percent has clinical, you know, you know, cl- clinical trials, you know, not full on like you know, true, true, like double blind, you know, but good clinical trials showing that like their drink reduces decision fatigue and makes you a better gamer. Um, what happens if Ninja comes out with an energy like that? Like, how do you value that? Is that, is that $50 million pre-rev? I, I, I don't even know. You know, I don't, I don't, I'm, I, I still don't have a heuristic here. And on the flip side, like how big of a star do you have to be in the traditional sense to overcome something like Logan Paul, because I, 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 you know, everybody knows who The Rock is. That worked. Everybody knew who George Clooney was. That worked. But like un, under that level of stardom, like is is it actually better to work with someone who is represented by you know like Night Management and and all these people that are representing the new creators and stuff like that? Like I am, um, I'm kind of coming down on the ladder. Like, would you rather partner with Captain America? on a you know protein bar brand or mr beast on like a burger pop-up i think it's the latter I, you know, I, but i I'm, i don't know yeah i think the i think the thing is is like it'd be cool to do a deep dive on like maybe like what's the new tam because it's it's kind of like size of the category size of the audience and then percentage of engagement and then you kind of got to index it against that and it's like hey we know Prime's audience between their two influencers is this. This is the percentage of engagement they get. And this is the size of the category that you're going into beverage and energy and, and you know, um, athletic beverages. Um, and then that's kind of like the bottom up approach to figuring out the TAM for like that company and that size. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just kind of have to apply that for everybody else and understand like, okay, what's the size of your audience? What's the engagement? And then what's the category that you're going after? And like, does that opportunity seem big enough? Um, so it'd be kind of cool to develop what that looks like, but yeah, I, um, it, it's definitely intriguing to see for sure. Um, awesome. Well, I think that, uh, that's going to be, um, it for this week's episode. Uh, we had another topic where we're coming up against it a little bit because we went a little bit long on that last one, but I think it's super interesting. And I think it's definitely, um, something we're going to have to continue to monitor, um, yeah, with that, we'll see everybody next week. We have an awesome guest um, coming on and i um, excited about everything in the new year. Uh, please, please, please remember this is a big initiative for us to uh, review and rate um, the podcast wherever you do listen. It really helps us as we continue to build out the audience. And we'll be back next week with another great episode. Is there any way we can do like a like a loyalty program where person who gets like you know you know post the most about getting five-star reviews gets to come on as a guest or do we have we get lunch with taylor and yeah like you get a a bag of golden grams with taylor uh you you could you can have a nostalgic breakfast morning with me you can do it you can do it 
9 a.m. vodka <laughs> sampling tasting yeah. with me. You have to uh, look up Taylor for her morning run and go. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I think that'd be, I think that'd be cool. I think, I think one of the things we should look into is like doing, uh, this is, see, we're just doing a business meeting on air right now. We should do some company swag and we could do something like that and do like little care packages for people that rate and review and share. Cause I know we have obviously like uh, hundreds of people that listen, you know, on a weekly basis and we want that to get to thousands this year. So yeah, well, uh, I'll definitely kind of think through that and CJ, I saw that Dr. Perfy in the background. So shout out to, to Vasa and the, the team over there as well. Yeah, so, we, we could do it for people in these markets a good day if anyone wants to join us for like a morning in the life or a day in life that'd be really really funny um but otherwise we can think of actual i think too one of the attractive things, things. <laughs> I, I mean i know i'm gonna be there hopefully both of you can make it too it'd be cool to do some live shows at expo west and yeah, yeah. and like get a room and something and just like have a couple hours booked out to do a couple live shows um i think but also like leave stuff like this on the podcast i think people care like hey like if you're in san francisco and you get a bunch of people to five star it you're allowed to come to my office and carry away as many alcohol or cannabis samples as you can. Yes. Yes. Yeah, oh yeah. my God, please get my bar cart. Oh, take my bar cart. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's... I'll have a better relationship with my husband. I promise you, if you come and take my booze on this bar cart. Awesome. Yeah. My bar cart is finally coming together. So shout out to Paul too over at Freshly. He, he sent me some awesome recipes this week that helped me drown my pain of, of Aaron Rodgers. Like he's a great he was a great he was a great example though guys of um uh he posted this week he was like in 2022 guess what i didn't get a fucking dollar from an investor i didn't get a distributor um here is what i just again like i think it's really refreshing i don't want to see people call Uh, from p-h-r-e-s-h-l-y it's pretty cool brands. The dude has a lot of swag. If you see any pictures of him making cocktails with his sweet sweaters. Um, so just an overall good dude. And, uh, you know, somebody will have to get on the pod one day for sure. But he's, if you ever need a cocktail recipe, he is the one to go to. I asked him for, I was making uh, tacos up a store on Sunday and I needed a tequila recipe and he, he, he hooked me up. It was pretty good. Nice. Sweet. All right. Well, that is it for us this week after a little extra clip there. Uh, We'll see everybody next week and have a great week.